A warm welcome on behalf of the congregation of St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, Kingston, and in the name of Jesus Christ. In the first hours of this new week, can we do anything but lift up with the psalmist a shout of joy and praise? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for the Lord is good, for God's steadfast love endures forever. I invite you to begin with me now, continuing with this Psalm 136, in a paraphrase written by John Milton when he was 15 years old in the year 1623. Our Reformed branch of the Church of Christ holds to Jesus as the living word, the same yesterday, today, and forever, and to the Holy Scriptures as the written word of God, the word that remains the same on the page but is used by God differently through the ages and in different contexts. And so we believe in this branch of the Church it's important for us as Christians to state anew in each generation what it is we believe to be the calling of the Christian community. Here in Canada, in the Presbyterian Church, we have in this generation brought forward living faith, our contemporary statement of faith, and we're going to read now responsively a chapter about discipleship. It introduces the theme of the Christian life being one of joy and challenge and in fact, perhaps of joy in the midst of and through the challenges. Living faith, discipleship. Disciples of Christ are called to obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obedience involves us totally. And yet as we give ourselves to him, we discover that his service alone brings true freedom. Life in Christ Life in Christ brings joy, liberty, glory, but it also brings conflict with unbelief, fear, and temptation. Throughout our lives, we struggle with disheartening difficulties. Yet the Holy Spirit helps us and gives us power to grow in Christ. While we are far from perfect, yet our lives can be pleasing to God and helpful to others. Life in Christ involves prayer, 
the seeking of God's will and blessing on all of life. Prayer is openness to the presence of God. In words or the absence of words, prayer is the focusing of our lives towards God. As we commune with God through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit enables us to express our deepest longings, and we experience the sustaining power of God's presence. We live in Christ as we study the scriptures, learning to think and act in a Christian way. The scriptures are given that Christians may be complete, equipped for every good work. We live in Christ and in freedom we observe Sunday as the weekly festival of the resurrection for the worship of our Lord, rest for our work, and the enjoyment of God's world. Amen. We will now consider two passages from Holy Scripture. Both speak about the spiritual life being a journey, a journey in response to certain promises of God, but also a journey that involves joy and struggle. As Christians, we believe it's a journey that has been laid down for us in Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Two passages now read by James, joining us from Bamoko, Mali, West Africa. Let us pray. Gracious God, give us humble, teachable, and obedient hearts, that we may receive what you have revealed, and so do what you have commanded. Amen. The first lesson is taken from the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, Chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed." 
So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. The second lesson is taken from the New Testament, the first letter of Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that, though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen. Thanks be to God for these readings of his holy word. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be found now acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. He is the most beloved game show host ever. Who is Alex Trebek? Accompanying the recent publication of his memoirs, entitled The Answer Is, Reflections of My Life, Alex Trebek was interviewed by the Globe and Mail this past week. This son of a Ukrainian immigrant and a French-Canadian mother was born in the year 1940 in Sudbury. He's a graduate of the Department of Philosophy at the University of Ottawa. He became a CBC radio announcer and personality, and then a TV host of fame these past three and a half decades of jeopardy. From his home in the States, he was quoted as saying, we're going through troubled times. We've never been very good at looking at ourselves in a negative way. All the negative things we've done throughout our history, going back to when we first set foot on these shores. I've never understood that, coming from Canada. What's wrong with acknowledging that you did some bad things? As long as you're not continuing to do the bad things now. I can't be responsible for what my ancestors 250 years ago did, but I sure can be responsible for what I'm doing now to help or hinder others. He goes on to speak about the divisive nature of contemporary politics, about the urgency of addressing climate change. But this interview reminded me of a key dimension of Christian faith, the conviction that by the grace of God, life can be a journey of growth. The growth of understanding and of integrity. The growth of confession and recommitment. A journey that we believe we have seen most fully in Jesus Christ. These weeks of July, I've been inviting you to explore with me some of the hymns by which we sing our Christian faith. We began with one from the year 275, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence. We continued with one from the 8th century, John of Damascus, and one from the 12th century, Francis of Assisi, Let All Creatures of Our God and King. Well, now I invite you to continue journeying through time and space to the 17th century land of England, one of the most troubled periods of that nation's history. It encompassed civil war and the Commonwealth, 
the Restoration, the Plague, the Great Fire of London, the Dutch Wars, and the Eve of the Great Revolution. He is the author of the first great English novel, Pilgrim's Progress. Who is John Bunyan? Well, his father was a tinker, a wandering mender of household utensils. His mother died when he was young. He served as a soldier for three years during the Civil War and then married, and he himself became a tinker. He and his wife were so poor that he wrote, not having so much household stuff as a dish or a spoon betwixt us was their life. No doubt as a result of what he had himself personally already experienced in poverty and in war. This young man was asking deep questions about life and particularly about evil in this world. And he was often overcome by anxiety and despair. Due to the influence of his spouse, he was introduced to the Christian faith and he started attending services of worship of God. And he would write later on, Oh, how I love those words that spake of a Christian's calling. As when the Lord said to one, follow me, and to another, come after me. And oh, thought I, that he would say so to me too. How gladly would I run after him. The minister of the Free Church in the town of Bedford dedicated many hours of conversation to this troubled young man. And eventually in the year 1653, Bunyan declared his trust of God, became a professed member of the local congregation, and actually began to be himself a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was a time, however, when only the Church of England was declared to be legal in the land, and this young preacher was arrested for, quote, perniciously holding unlawful meetings. He was kept six years in jail. When he was released, he returned to his preaching and he was returned to jail again, another six years. It was while in prison during that second term that he was elected pastor of that congregation in Bedford. And when finally the politics allowed, he was released and granted a license to preach legally. A barn in a nearby orchard became home for his wife and family and himself, and it was there that he would preach. But he also traveled widely. It's said that in London, crowds would gather at 7 a.m. to hear him preach. He spoke simply in a language that everyone could understand, and he used the language of the Bible itself with the strength of a personal conviction. He wrote, I preached what I felt and what I smartingly did feel. I went myself in chains to preach to them in chains and carried that fire in my own conscience that I persuaded them to be aware of. His, right, his fame as a preacher was great, but his fame as a writer was even greater. Before his death in his 60th year, he had written over 60 pamphlets and sermons and poems and books, including the one for which he is to this day best known, one that he began paradoxically while still in prison, the one entitled, the Pilgrim's Progress from This World to That Which Is to Come. Pilgrim's Progress, first published 1678. For all the serious intent and heavy language, ordinary people of his day and generations since have enjoyed Bunyan's obvious humility and humor. The book is filled with places like Doubting Castle, the Delectable Mountains, Vanity Fair, and with people with names like Worldly Wise Man, 
Lord Hate Good, Mr. Live Loose, and Giant Despair. It's a tale that talks about life as an adventure, filled with challenge and even battle, but also imbued with purpose and meaning, written by one who knew well himself the suffering and the grace experienced along the way in Christ. Bunyan was writing in and for an age of crisis, and perhaps there is much for us to hear today. The desperate attempt of an individual to break free of a society that is failing and doomed. There's no utopia offered by Bunyan, but he points to a celestial city, the other side of the river of death. And in between here and there is our pilgrimage, our progress along the way of holiness by the grace of God. The image of the spiritual life as pilgrimage is presented, as we heard this morning already, at the very beginning of Holy Scripture, at the beginning of the story of the people of God, when Abram and Sarai, they go out from Ur of the Chaldees in response to God's call, not knowing where they were going, but seeking something more and more trusting of the one who could provide. It is an image that spoke to generations of God's people and was picked up and developed by Bunyan in his day and in his way. And this morning we shall sing a poem in which he speaks of life as a pilgrimage, himself and Christians as pilgrims. It's the only hymn actually that he's known to have written and it's found in the second book the second part of Pilgrim's Progress. This poem has three verses, three scenes. It's set at the point that Christina and the boys meet Valiant for Truth. Valiant for Truth has left his native town of Darkland and has become a pilgrim, but he's just come through a long and bitter battle with three assailants, who are known as wildhead, inconsiderate, and pragmatic. For a valiant, valiant for truth, from him we learn that to be a pilgrim, to be a person of faith, is no casual decision or easy way. It is a life that is demanding and needs to draw upon deep reservoirs of faith courage, and endurance. So, verse 1. How does a Christian deal with disappointment along the way? Who would true valor see? Let them come hither. Here's one will constant be, come wind, come weather. There's no discouragement shall make me once relent my first avowed intent to be a pilgrim. Wind and weather, those classic images of the fluctuating and unpredictable circumstances of life. The point is we won't get very far if we're fair-weather Christians only, if we are willing to journey further and deeper only if the going is good, if we retreat before the winds of adversity. Valiant told Christina and her company that when he was setting out, those at home tried to dissuade him by warning him of the hardships that he would face along the way. They mentioned the slew of despair, the hill difficulty, the valley of the shadow of death. And did none of these things discourage you, asked Greatheart? No, replied Valiant. They seemed as mere nothings to me. How came that about? Why, I still believed what Mr. Trutel had said, and that carried me beyond them all. Then, said Greatheart, this was your victory, your faith. I would note, of course, it wasn't all up to Valiant himself. 
he had many encouragers along the way. The counsel given by Mr. Trutel at the very beginning, the joy of meeting Christina and her band, the companionship of other pilgrims along the way, the memory of mercies received and triumphs won. But it is true that it's up to the pilgrim to hold on to that encouragement when facing a time of discouragement. And that holding on is faith. In the second verse, it's not just discouragement, but conflict that's faced. Who so beset me round with dismal stories do but themselves confound. My strength the more is. No foes shall stay my might. Though I with giants fight, I have the right to be a pilgrim. The pilgrim is sure to encounter not only those who tell dismal stories, but actual conflict. Earlier with lions. In the Bible, a lion is a symbol of danger. Christian had come to the palace beautiful, and he was alarmed at the entrance to see two lions guarding the gate. Then he was afraid, for he thought that nothing but death was before him. But the porter at the lodge, whose name is Watchful, perceiving that Christian made a halt as if he would go back, cried unto him, saying, Is thy strength so small? Fear not the lions, for they are chained. They are placed there for trial of faith where it is, and for discovery of those who have none. Keep in the midst of the path, and no hurt shall come unto thee. Christian's fears were needless, and he went forward, trembling but unharmed. Many of the lions that perhaps frighten us along the pilgrim path are equally powerless to hurt. But it's not just the lions, of course. He'll with a giant fight. Bunyan is probably referring to giant despair. Christian and hopeful, they'd encountered this fearsome foe when they strayed from the king's highway. And as a result, they found themselves imprisoned in Doubting Castle. Doubt, despondency, despair. These are giants that all of us, we have to confront as individuals and as the church. If we too take up the pilgrim way. And finally, the third verse looks past the need for constancy and the inevitable conflicts along the way and points to the goal of the journey. Hobgoblin nor foul fiend can daunt my spirit. I know I at the end shall life inherit. Then fancies flee away. Fear not what others say. I'll labor night and day to be a pilgrim. Hobgoblins are not heard of in Holy Scripture. In fact, rarely in English literature at all. And perhaps that's the point. Perhaps hobgoblins have no reality. They're figments of our imagination, along with Saturns and fiends and dragons and the like. Perhaps Bunyan is asking if we are making ourselves miserable with worries that are abs as absurd as hobgoblins in ultimate terms. Pilgrim will fear not what others say, with his eyes and heart set upon the end. How did it fare for valiant for truth at the end? Well, the answer is provided in one of Bunyan's most famous pieces of writing. When the final call came for this brave pilgrim, he summoned his friends to his side and told them of his departure now at hand. Then said he, I am going to my father's, and though with great difficulty I am got thither, yet now I do not repent me of all the trouble that I have been at arriving where I am. When the day that he must hence was come, Many accompanied him to the riverside, 
into which, as he went, he said, Death, where is thy sting? And as he went down deeper, he said, Grave, where is thy victory? And so he passed over, and all the trumpets sounded for him on the other side. According to Bunyan, this life is not a bouquet of daisies, but often is an experience of struggle, a struggle for meaning, for faith, for life of body, mind, and soul. According to Bunyan, these days pass quickly. They're filled with seemingly small decisions and actions, but these days, he says, are of eternal consequence. He says that we may feel at times alone and uncertain and even unable, but he assures us that there is a constancy and a strength available to all who turn to the promises of God. He suggests that we may feel at times that there is no hope, that what has been shall be, that who we are is who we are bound to be. But Bunyan asserts there is an adventure of growth available to all who are willing to journey further. To be a pilgrim is to be willing to be on the move from origin to destiny, is to be determined to live responsibly and humbly in whatever context we find ourselves this day, yet always with eyes fixed upon the city which has foundations, whose maker is God. To be a pilgrim is to journey away fraught with dangers, to experience exhaustion and dead ends, and yet also to know that it's always possible, by the grace of God, to return to the way of life. It's to travel with fellow pilgrims from birth to death in a band together, and to be thankful that God has left no one to travel this journey of faith alone. To be a pilgrim is to follow the King's highway, the way that Christ has walked before us through life and even through death, he who is the pioneer of our salvation. To be a pilgrim is to trust the promises of God in Jesus and to bear witness to them as we journey along these paths and through the seasons of our lives. He is the most beloved game show host ever. Who is Alex Trebek? He is the author of the first great English novel, Pilgrim's Progress. Who is John Bunyan? They have been given a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And in this they rejoice, even if for now they have to suffer various trials. And even though they do not see him now, they believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for they are receiving the outcome of their faith, the salvation of their souls. Who are we? Let us continue by singing now this hymn of John Bunyan.
This past week, I came across the notice of a volume about to be published by Upper Room Press in August. It's entitled Rally, Communal Prayers for Lovers of Jesus and Justice. I thought I would share with you one of the prayers highlighted in the advanced publicity. Everything can change in a moment. Disaster can take our certainty, our plans for the coming months, health we thought would be ours, and the people that make our lives full. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Tragedy can shake the firmest foundation and consume our homes by flood. Grief can rob our chests of deep breaths and our minds of every clear thought. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. The darkness can threaten the marginalized who are vulnerable before its coming. It can bring the worst out in our humanity and expose the fears that we have. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. War, disease, disaster, and violence can rewrite a story we have loved. Injustice can leave us beyond exhausted. How long, O oh God, we cry out. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. But here is what it cannot do. It cannot stop the sun from rising or grace from being free. It cannot contain the abundant creativity that explodes amid limitations. Emmanuel, God with us. Loss cannot restrain the helpers meeting the needs of neighbors. Pain will not keep people from singing or the grass from growing again. Emmanuel, God with us. Every ounce of chaos could not kill the bravery we learned was inside us, and no new normal can steal the memories that have taught us how to love. Emmanuel, God with us. This moment, no matter how dark or long, cannot make us belong to one another less, and not one single thing can separate us from God's love. Emmanuel, God with us. All shall be well. Love has not failed. We will make it through together. With these words settling among us, I invite you to continue now together in prayer. Let us pray. Holy One, you are that great community of life and love that we have known as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we come before you now in the assurance of Jesus the Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. This morning we think about our life as journey. We know it is not just a cycle of birth, growth, maturity, and decay. We believe you've offered us the possibility of arriving somewhere better than we set out from. You are our destination. It's not that we start out far from you, for it was you who knit us together in our mother's wombs and breathed into us your Holy Spirit. But we can only be embraced by you by setting out to come to you. It's only as we attempt the course that we realize how deeply rewarding it is. We know the way. It's through Jesus that we journey to you. It's by following him, obeying him, identifying ourselves with him, suffering with him, being raised with him, that we receive direction and strength for the way. So help us not to hesitate and not to wander from the path of life. And when we do wander, to be willing to return. Oh God, we thank you for 
all who have helped us on the way. Those first followers of Jesus and their honest record of their struggles and joys. For those first generations who have provided us with examples of perseverance, pressing steadily onwards despite the challenges and the tedium of daily life even unto this day. And for those now around us, sharing their daily reflections, their encouragement of word and deed, along the way of Christ known here in this congregation and in the Church of Christ around the world. Lord, we pray for young people as they set out on the journey. These days there is so much uncertainty. and We pray may they be strengthened by your sure promises for their lives. We pray for those who are beginning careers and relationships of commitment. May they be willing to continue when early enthusiasms wane. We pray for those midway through life, when prospects of the future are outweighed by present realities. May they be renewed by your promise of new beginnings, always the promise of new beginnings. We pray, Lord, for those who are reaching the last stretches of the road, that they may receive the support they need and be unafraid by the promise of all that awaits them in the way of Jesus. So hear us in this time of silence, O God, as we lift up our prayers personal. Prayers for ourselves, for others near and far, and for the coming of your kingdom of peace and justice for all. Hear us as we pray. Holy God, as we lift ourselves and those whom we have named and all into your good hands, we conclude with just one more petition. Holy God, do not let anyone be missing at journey's end. Bring us all safely home into your presence. We pray this in the name of Jesus and in his words we now together continue. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his favor upon you and grant you peace. Amen. Thank you.